Welcome into the Duck Territory Podcast. I'm Matt Prem, and uh, for today's show, it's going to be a little different. Usually, Eric Scopel is on here with me, uh, and, and we break down everything organ centric. Uh, but today, we're going to we're going to change things up just a little bit. Uh, Eric's not with us. We're going to have Greg Biggins on the show later later on here shortly, uh, where we're going to talk a lot of Pac-12 football recruiting, getting his take on uh, some hot topics within the conference. Uh, specifically, why are some of the best players leaving the Pac-12 footprint? And by that, I mean you look up and down uh, the recruiting rankings for the class of 2020 for college football, and there's going to be a couple, you know, staggering items that you that you will quickly pick up. And it happened again Friday afternoon. When Clark Phillips the third, a, a top fifty recruit out of Southern California, he decided to leave the Pac-12 footprint and committed to Ohio State, uh, and he's just the one in a long line of guys now who are either leaning or are committed to other schools, and that's you know a problem for not just Oregon but you know for the conference for the Pac-12 conference because if they want to compete and if they want to be one of the best conferences in college football if they want to win a college football playoff uh win a championship uh send teams to you know those bigger bowl games and win those bigger bowl games they're going to need to sign the elite recruits and when you look at the west coast rankings and you look at the guys that are coming out of the west coast some of the best players are starting to leave the pac-12 footprint instead of playing uh in in their region and you look at the 2020 rankings, and it's pretty clear. Uh, at number three, the number three player in the country, Justin Flo, an inside linebacker from Upland, California, SoCal school. Uh, his crystal ball leans to, to USC, but uh, is he le- le- is he really leaning that way? Or could he leave the conference? Savelle Smalls, the fourth best player in the country, outside linebacker from Kennedy Catholic, uh, a school up in the Seattle, Washington area. He's currently trending. Uh, to, to go to Alabama, he only has two Pac-12 schools in his top 12. Uh, that's an issue for for the conference. You you look at Keely Ringo, a five-star cornerback from from Arizona. He's leaning to, to Texas or to Georgia. Darnell Washington, a five-star athlete, Alabama or Georgia. Uh, you, you've got quarterback DJU from St. John Bosco uh, in, in SoCal. He's committed to Clemson. Uh, and, and the list goes on and on. Elias Ricks, another five-star from SoCal, committed to LSU. Uh, you know, the, the Clemson Tigers are a big school out west right now. And Kendall Milton, the five-star running back from from uh, Clovis High School or Clovis, California, um, the Fresno area. He's leaning Ohio State, Georgia, but definitely outside of the Pac-12 conference. Um, you're you're just seeing. Um, a lot of talent leave the Pac-12 conference. And so we're going to have Greg on, and we're going to talk a lot about where things are locally for the Pac-12. Why are they struggling? What is causing this? Uh, how can they fix this problem that the, that the conference has? And also, uh, we'll get his take on what are some of the positives, if there are any positives, for the Pac-12 conference uh, in the 2020 recruiting cycle. Um, and then I, it, we will talk a little bit of Ducks. We'll get his opinion um, on Oregon's class and just kind of the the, the projections he, he sees with this Oregon football program. All right, so let's bring in the man himself, Greg Biggins, the 24-7 sports 
national recruiting analyst, uh, a guy that's covered the Pac-12 and just recruiting in general out west for a very long time. Uh, welcome to the show, Greg. Yeah, no, always good. Always good talk with you, Matt. Thanks for having me on. So uh, I wanted to get your take on Pac-12 recruiting in, as a whole. And a lot of my listeners, a lot of my followers are, are Duck fans, obviously, because uh, that's the team that I cover. Um, but I, I wanted to go just a little bit bigger than that because, yeah, the, the Ducks are, are 12th in the country in recruiting, uh, but they are the only school in the Pac-12 that's in the top 25. And it gets even worse because the next closest team to them is is California at, at 33. And then you got to go find Stanford at 39, Colorado at 40. And I understand that, you know, recruiting is fluid and, and it, this is going to change. And, you know, there are some schools that will catch up. USC, Washington, you know, those two schools historically are always going to be in, in the top 25 um for the most part but is this a concern right now for someone that covers the west coast covers nationally is should the pac-12 conference be concerned right now with how the 2020 class is is shaping out i I think so you know it's not just that it's a isolated incident i think there's you've seen a trend the last few years of just kids more so than any other time i think in my 20 plus years of covering you know football out here you're seeing kids more and more open to leaving the area. You know, it used to be no matter how bad or how poorly coached or who was the coach at either SC or UCLA, you still see those two schools always recruit well in the top 20. Um, then you, historically, Washington's another school that has been able to recruit well. Oregon, obviously, as of late, is the is kind of the flagship for just the incredible passion that the coaches coach or, excuse me, recruit with. Um, but outside of that, you know, and I, I still feel good about where Washington's at, but I just think a lot of national programs, you're seeing the Clemson's, LSU, the Florida schools, Ohio State, Michigan, I think they're kind of seeing maybe some uh, some blood in the water if you're a shark and you're kind of seeing a down SC, you're seeing a UCLA who's kind of recruiting in a, just their own unique way. And so they're kind of pouncing. So like I said, uh, kind of a long-winded way of saying if it was a, a one-year deal, no biggie, it's early. You know, they, they should be fine, except for the fact that it's, I said, that the trend is that um, this is probably a two to three year deal. And the 2021 class looks to be the same where kids, you talk to them and, and they seem to get a lot more jazz and a lot more pumped up when they get an offer from Clemson than they do any of the West Coast schools. Is this the first year you think that this has started to, to develop into a trend or is this, are we in the middle of it? Or I saw it last year. You know, I, I think we saw it last year with, with guys. Now, obviously, uh, you know, Chris Steele came back, Bruce McCoy came back. Those were really unique incidences. But I still right. think you saw, you know, you're starting to see like more players from, from even last year's class kind of leave. And again, there's, you know, out, Oregon, I thought was the outlier. They still had a phenomenal recruiting year instead of Washington. But I, I still think, um, Last year, I started to see kids just from talking to them. You know, it, it it wasn't a big deal for them to leave home, and they're taking so many unofficial trips now, more so than ever before. I think in the past, kids just didn't really take that many visits. It was right. maybe take your official visits, and then uh, you know you'd probably stay with one of the West Coast schools. I think the early signing period in December has kind of fast forwarded a lot of a lot about the recruiting process. Now you're seeing kids take more visits early unofficially, you're starting to see them, you know, okay and, and comfortable with, with leaving and going to other parts of the country. So I think it's it's kind of a combination of all those different factors. I, I look at um, 
a big reason why I think Oregon is doing so well on the trail is because Mario Cristobal is implementing a lot of stuff that they did at Alabama and that every other school in the SEC did. You know, the satellite camps and you know all the edits, the photo shoots, the you know, getting guys on you know multiple unofficial visits and pushing really hard for that. And that was when Taggart showed up and they started doing that at Oregon and then Crystal Ball pushed it even more. It was new for, for someone like me who's who's covered you know Oregon recruiting for 10 years. How much of that is just, you know, the Pac-12 is just so far behind the the strategy of recruiting of what the SEC, the ACC, and the Big Ten are doing? Or is that even, you know, not on the radar? Is that, a, is that an issue? No, I, I think it's, I think we live in a social media driven world right now, good or bad. That's just kind of yeah. how it is. You know, I have, I have four kids and just seeing the stuff that they, you know, post and the stuff that they read, it's, just, it's, a, it's alarming. So everything I think is very, everyone's very impressionable to, to that kind of stuff. So I think you have to strategically, you know, put that out in front of a kid. And because they're always on social media, man, you know, use that to your advantage. And Oregon's doing that. It's not just with the social media, though. I think with Oregon, it's just how relentless that staff is. And I made the comment last year that they were probably doing a better job of getting SoCal kids on campus than SC and UCLA were. And think about that for a second. You know, these are these are Southern California kids who are taking more visits to, to Oregon than they were to UCLA. So I think right. it's not just, you know, yeah, the cool edits, but it's just how tireless they have become. And you talk to any kid for me, and if Oregon wants a kid, um, any kid you talk to and ask them, hey, who's recruiting the hardest, they'll always say Oregon. And if they don't say Oregon, you can kind of tell, okay, Oregon's not really interested in them anymore. So I think effort is a lot of it. And you go to see some of these schools. I mean, Alabama, you know, Nick Saban is very hands-on. Ohio State, Coach Day, extremely hands-on. Texas, Tom Herman, very hands-on. Dabo Sweeney, hands-on. These are head coaches. It's not just, you know, you're not just relying on, you know, your, your area coach or your position coach or even like your little, you know, football ops guys. These schools in the South and, and other parts of the country, their head coaches are extremely hands-on, and they're reaching out to kids. And, and that's what Crystal Ball has been able to do, probably as much, if not more, than any other head coach. So I think that resonates with a lot of kids for sure. Most importantly, though, and I think you would agree, is you have to win. If, oh, yeah. if, if, I don't think it doesn't really matter then if what you do if you're winning at a high level. Like if, if USC all of a sudden – or if UCLA all of a sudden had to run like Pete Carroll did – in the early 2000s, his strategy would work. I, I, I would think because they, were, you know, everyone knows you win. And, and is that just the easiest fix? Is that the the league and the conference just needs to needs to get a team either a to win it all or b to get back into the championship game and and then have another team do it, you know, shortly thereafter? Is that the biggest, quickest fix, or can they fix this issue some other way? Yeah, no, you got to win. You know, if you don't win and you, and you, like I said, even let's, let's keep it. I know you didn't really want to just focus just on Oregon, but I just, for me, it's an easy example. Right. You know, right now, Oregon's doing a great job with the, with the relentless approach and the, and the social media. But if you don't, if you don't win games, then it's just a big gimmick, right? Yep. Like you have yeah. to feel otherwise all that stuff won't matter pretty soon. So I think that winning all always cures all evils. And I think for SC and UCLA, those are two traditional powers that always seem to be able to recruit well. They have a lot of natural advantages just in the talent base that's right around in their backyard. Kids, you know, traditionally, you know, they would love to stay home if you give them a reason to. Um, Now, you know, right now the feeling is talking to SoCal kids, they just feel like they get developed better outside the region. You know, when I talk to a kid like a a Court Williams or a Clark Phillips, you know, both these two kids have family ties to – 
you know, to UCLA. Um, but they both have said, you know, right now I just feel like other schools outside the region, I can get developed better. Uh, you know, you're hearing that from a lot of different kids. So that's alarming on a good product on the field and you start to win games. I think, I think people know Chip Kelly is a great coach and a great developer. I think they have the strength program going in the right direction. I think people will go to UCLA if they win. USC, probably the easiest school to recruit to. Now, if they win eight, nine, ten games, all of a sudden now, uh, you know, you'll see guys like a Justin Flo, you know, guys like Gary Bryant, guys that may be looking elsewhere, you know, they'll choose to stay home. I mean, their kids are fickle, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but it's, it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of society. And if you win games, like I said, USC wins nine, ten games this year, and all of a sudden they look, they look like they're starting to roll. All of a sudden, boom, you'll see not just local kids, but national players wanting to go and, and play for USC. The I, I got into recruiting probably early 2000s when I was in high school and just it was hooked ever since. And ever since that time, the state of Arizona has always had dudes. And this year is, is no different. I mean, they have two five stars. They've got more than a handful of four star guys. And I, I'm kind of curious. And this is, you know, this is an issue for a lot of the states in, in the area in the Pac-12 footprint is a lot of their guys don't stay home. And it's the weirdest thing. I mean, coach after coach, they've never had success in that area. And I kind of wonder, you know, is that and is that maybe a region that the conference and the Arizona schools, Arizona and Arizona State, could do a heck of a lot better at and solve some of these problems as well for, for the conference? You know, it's weird, Matt. I, I've always said this. Arizona's almost like Hawaii, where – they want to leave. And yeah. I just told someone recently, I think this year you take the top 15 players from Arizona, I'd match them up and say they're, they're probably better or, or might be as the whole. That top 15 is probably better than the top 15 in California this year. I mean, it's wow. a, probably the best year for Arizona talent. And I don't see hardly any of them going to Arizona or Arizona State. And, and both those schools are actually recruiting heavily. ASU had a pretty solid season last year. And I think a lot of kids they like Herm Edwards. But the reality is, like I said, for whatever reason, they just don't want to stay. You'll see isolated incidents, right? You'll see um, an Akil Harry. But for the most part, I'm looking at the list right now. Uh, Keely Ringo, he's going out of state. DJ yep. Robinson is going out of state. Tosh Baker will go out of state. Lathan Ransom will go out of state. Jack Miller is out of state. Jason Harris, he might stay. Uh, Damian Sellers could stay. Jacoby Covington's out of state, kid. Chubba Purdy's going to go out of state. I mean, Brendan Rice probably be out of state. So it's just... It, it doesn't matter your approach. It, it just, it's for whatever reason, you know, I've seen it when ASU was even putting up some pretty good teams. Um, Arizona, you know, I was still kind of covering it right after the desert swarm, desert swarm years way back. Right. But kids, again, it, it's very similar to Hawaii when, you know, Hawaii had some good teams. I would say not on a, you know, on a BCS level, not in a BCS level conference, but kids just want to get off the rock. That's their right. terminology with Arizona kids. Uh, it, it just it's very, very hard for either of those two schools to get an inroad. Now, the hope is, being a West Coast homer myself, if they don't go play for Arizona or Arizona State, yeah, go play for SC, UCLA, right. Oregon, Washington, Stanford, Cal. Uh, go play for one of those schools. At least keep the talent out West. But right now, these kids are all looking, you know, B. John Robinson, Georgia, Texas. Uh, excuse me, uh, Keely Ringo, Georgia, Texas. B. John Robinson, probably Ohio State. Texas, although USC just kind of wowed him. Tosh Baker is another name. So you want those kids to kind of stay local if you can. If they can't stay in state, man, at least keep the Pac-12 strong. And right now with this year's class, I'm not really seeing it. 
Yeah, I want to say, what was it, like a year and a half ago when we released the first initial ranking of, of the 2020 recruiting class? Um, and I looked at the, you know, the guys and in our rankings and I saw, wow, there's a lot of West Coast guys in this initial you know, top 50 or top 100. I can't remember what it was. And you fast forward today and in the top 15 nationally, there's five guys that are West Coast tied guys. And I don't know. Greg, I mean, maybe Justin Flo, who's the number three player in the country. Uh, and I, I think he's leaning towards going to USC. But everybody else seems to be leaning outside of the conference, not even just, you know, a, a, a SoCal kid choosing to leave SoCal. It's He's leaving the entire Pac-12. And, you know, we're talking a, a Justin Flo, a Savelle Smalls from Washington, um, Keely Ringo, like you mentioned, from Arizona, Darnell Washington from Las Vegas, and then uh dj from from st john bosco um who's committed to clemson i just look at this and i wonder like how did this happen how did these guys all of a sudden how did the conference just let all this elite talent leave yeah and i would say even justin flo i i I don't think he's a usc lean right now i think he's a guy that usc wins nine games and they look like they look look like they're going in a good direction i could see him going to usc but as of right Right. now i think he's more clemson or georgia so to answer the question you know we kind of alluded alluded to it before i just think a lot of kids feel like they can get developed better out of the west at other schools i feel like they just kind of see all the and again, these kids are taking the visits now. They never used to do it as much as they do now. They're going to a Georgia or an LSU, um, an Ohio State spring game. They're going to go see Alabama when they're, these guys are drawing, you know, crazy amounts of, of fans for a spring game, or they just see the passion in that conference. They're seeing, you know, the NFL draft and, and who's getting drafted. If you're a DB, you know, who has more guys drafted? Ohio State, uh, LSU, or a Pac-12 school? And outside of Washington, uh, no one is really pushing. That's just one position. If you're a receiver, um, yeah, Nikhil Harry was was a first round pick. But other than that, how many Pac-12 right. first round receivers have gone over the last five years? You Not know, many. you count them on less than one hand, right? Whereas you go to a school, uh, you know, like an Alabama, like a Georgia, like a Clemson, those guys are getting guys every year first yeah. round picks. So I think kids want to play in Pac stadiums. They want to go where the fan base is so passionate. They want to go get developed and three and out and they want to get to the NFL. And I think a lot of these guys truly feel like they'll have a better chance of getting to the NFL at one of those schools because of how well they develop more so than a school out West. At least that's kind of how it is right now. Now when USC was rolling and Pete Carroll was rolling, right. You know, kids had a reason to stay home because they could play for, you know, national championships and get drafted heavily. But those days are are just not happening as of right now. Like I said, let there's always exceptions, right? Washington and Jimmy Lake do a phenomenal job with DBs as good a job as anybody. And they're not getting five-star DB. They're getting like three, four stars, and they're just developing the heck yeah, out of Yeah, putting them in the league. That, you know, outside of that, you're not seeing one position group, especially O-line, D-line. I mean, we just don't do a great job with, you know, how many Pac-12 O-line, D-line are going in the first round, second round. So that's another major issue for me. In fact, probably the biggest issue when people say, why isn't the Pac-12 as competitive? And I always point to the line. You know, whoever the, the top O-lineman is out west – Right. They have 30 of those guys in the South. And whoever the yeah. top D tackle is out West, there's 40 of those guys in the South and in the Midwest. And who are number, our number two guy, there's always a pretty big drop out there. They got 30 dudes in, in the Texas area, the Midwest area, in the South. We just don't or haven't produced a ton of high-quality interior D linemen or athletic tackles. And I, I think 
Cristobal gets it. I think he's done a great job recruiting the offensive line. And I think obviously, you know why he's from Bama, that's what they live by. But the rest of the conference is, I think, struggling a little bit to recruit quality beef up front. And that's why you're not seeing those guys when they play a game against those other schools outside the region. You always kind of, all oh, these West Coast schools, they're so soft. I don't think it's a softness. I think it's they just, when you have guys that are bigger and better, they're going to beat your guys up. It's not about yep. being soft. Yeah. Soft for me is a mentality. I don't think our kids are soft. It's just I could beat up my 15-year-old because I'm big. <laughs> not about he's soft. I'm just stronger than he is. So it's just you got to beef up front to get those teams competitive, and that's that's been tough. So let's let's not just all be doom and gloom here. What what do you like about this 2020 class from a conference perspective? Is there anything that that it's like this isn't getting talked enough about for for 2020 in the Pac-12? Oh, man. <laughs> is, it Cal, is it Cal being able to, to you know, have some success, even though that, you know, what has Cal done the last three or four years? I know they're not a top 25 team, but they've been able to go and pluck some decent dudes. Yeah, I, I like Cal. You know, I like that staff. Um, coach Alexander, I think, is getting, getting a reputation for being a heck of a DB coach. And I think right now Jimmy Lake's the guy. But I think you're going to start to see some of these Cal DBs probably as soon as this year's draft. You'll see maybe at least two, if not three guys will get drafted. I'm not sure first round, but they'll have at least two or three guys drafted. I think once you do that, you kind of kind of build it back up. Um, you know, I think Oregon State, you know, they're starting to do some things. Last year was was a little bit of a down year, but they're being aggressive. They're getting kids. They have a big weekend this coming weekend with a, a couple pretty uh, impact players, Jake Overman, I, Isaiah uh, Isaiah Newell or two guys I think are pretty good football players that are taking official bits. I think UCLA has kind of rebounded, not so much in kids yet, but their approach is radically different. They're actually, you know, understand you need to recruit guys. So they're being a lot more aggressive this year than they were last year. So hopefully you'll see UCLA kind of turning around. And then even USC, they're involved with a lot of kids. They, if, if they win, then I think they'll bring the brand back up. Uh, I think Stanford's involved with a lot of kids as they always are. Yeah. Stanford's like the steady. They're different. Right? Stanford is just they, – they can only recruit probably the 1% of the top 400 kids. Yep. But they're always just steady, steady, steady. If it's them in another school and that kid gets into Stanford, he's going to probably go there. So Stanford will be Stanford. I think they finished with a top 25 class last year. So they're, they're the one that's the constant. So, um, yeah, those are, those are a few of the, the things I think you can look at and be hopefully uh, excited about. I didn't mention Oregon because Oregon, obviously, we talked about them already. They're, they're right. rolling and doing well. And I think Washington will as well too. So – Hopefully the rest of the schools, the UCLA's, the SC's, the Oregon State's, uh, the Cal's, um, you know, all those schools can kind of rise up and help the conference out a little bit. I told you I'd, I wanted to talk just for about 20 or so minutes, and I just want to get one question in because if I have you on, I got to talk at least a little bit of specific Oregon stuff. Um, a lot of people are making out that this class, they're, they're currently 12th in the country. They finished 7th last year, which was the program's highest ranking ever. They're First in the in the league right now, like they were last year, and um, you know, I wonder are they going to be able to crack the top ten? And so my question to you is, do you see enough guys out west that are like a Johnny Wilson or a Smalls, or I know Flo visited Oregon for the spring game, and I know you said he's probably leaning out of the out of the conference, but do you feel like they have a a good enough chance to land a couple of these heavy hitters to? make a play for a top 10 finish. Yeah, I, I do. And the thing with Oregon is not just West Coast kids. They're, they're focused on they're, You look at their class right now, and there's guys from you know Florida and Maryland yeah. and Oklahoma. So they're doing a really good job recruiting from a national standpoint. 
Um, I do think they lead for Johnny Wilson, which would be huge. He's a top 50 recruit. And uh, I think they got a heck of a chance with Smalls. You know, I think Oregon's the one. I know he mentioned Washington State, but I just don't see it happening. Yeah. I think Oregon's probably the one school out west that he's going to seriously look at. Uh, but then he's also looking at, you know, schools like Alabama, like, you know, Clemson, like all three Florida schools, Florida State, I think more specifically. So I think Oregon has as good a shot there as anybody else, though. And then locally, you know, they're still involved with a lot of guys. They got their quarterback, uh, the receiver position. Again, you throw in a Wilson with the Chris Hudson, got the running back. So I, I think it's going to be, and for me, like top 10, it's great to say you have a top 10 class, but if you finish with a top 12 class, yeah, you're still good, right? If you're top 13, I mean, who cares if you're not in the top 10? I mean, there's, there's, I always say there's very little separation from like five and 20. So if you fall in that range, you're doing something really, really good. And if you're, even if you're 25 to 30, you're still in a great class. One, one last question. And one thing I've always kind of, I get a lot when I talk to recruits is they always mention that, um, Oregon's one of or the first school to offer or to you know show them interest. And sometimes I get the feeling that that's a, a really genuine statement and that, you know, I know that's that to be true. But sometimes I also kind of wonder, like, hey, is this just a kid, you know, talking up Oregon because I cover Oregon? Um, and your experiences of, of, of just evals and, and offers and what you've heard, how does Oregon kind of rate above everybody else of, identifying you know legitimate prospects and then going out and offering them are they early and are they one of the better schools at, at finding guys early you know what yes and no um yes they are the first school that typically offer guys you know i think they offer like two weeks ago they offer like five seventh eighth graders yeah so i feel like do they put out the earliest offers yeah they do um, but do I value that offer all the time? <laughs> you know not all the time right i think a lot of it like you mentioned I think it's a little bit gimmicky at times, not with Oregon, with all schools. If you're often, if you're often an eighth grader, it's not a committable so, offer. We all know that, right? I think the kid doesn't, the kid may not know that, and the kid's family may not know that, but us in the recruiting world know that you can't commit to a school as an eighth grader or even a freshman for the most part. So, I think it's it's a strategy, um, and there's really nothing wrong with it. You know, you offer a guy who looks like he might have some upside and some potential, and if he develops. Then three years from now, when he's a junior, you say, hey, kid, remember us? We're the first school to offer you. Right. If the kid doesn't develop, guess what? You haven't called the kid in two years. You just kind of just stop recruiting him. And if the kid kind of reaches out, you're like, oh, sorry. You know, we've kind of moved on. You know, no damage done. It's not like the kid can sign 11, right. 10 freshmen. You're locked into the guy. So I think it's a strategy that a lot of schools are doing. And like I said, Oregon typically will be the first to offer, but they'll offer, you know, I think Oregon offers probably more kids than, than everybody else in the country. And people think we'll take a shot at Oregon. But you know what? Most of these kids they offer end up becoming dudes. So yeah. I always joke around, and usually it's you know Washington fans that like to get into it on Twitter, saying, "Oh, Oregon's offered every kid." You know, but you know what? That kid that got offered by Oregon first, guess what? You know, next year or five months from now, he'll have twenty offers. So I think Oregon does a good job of early evaluating. I don't buy much into the seventh, eighth, seventh, eighth grade offers, um, but I think Oregon does probably offer guys earlier. And, and like I said, there's some strategic value in that. Well, I'd like to stay away from trying to interview eighth and ninth graders if I can. So, uh, <laughs> if I could, if I could see some offers not happen, that's what it would happen. And that yeah. sounds mean, but I just, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think uh, it can be a little, you know, crazy, but at the same time, like you said, it it, it may pay off down the road. So, uh, Greg, thanks for coming on. He's the twenty four seven Sports National Recruiting Analyst. Uh, Greg, thanks for coming on. I appreciate. It. We'll do it. We'll do it again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Matt.